Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. We're going to do, we're going to do a tag team session this morning. And... Uh, the, the, the title of this message is Ears That Hear and Eyes That See. I like it. Ears That Hear, Eyes That See. And uh, the, the scripture is out of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. Did you want to read it, my beautiful? Yes, I do. Okay. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. The hearing ear and the, the seeing, seeing eye, eye, the Lord, Lord has, has made, made them, them both. both. So... You know, so what, one of the things is there's a lot of people that have uh, eyes but don't see or ears that don't hear. And, and that's, that's because <clears throat> uh, left unto ourselves without that awakening that happens when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Death is in the world, but life is in the word. Life is in Christ. Life is in the gospel. Life is in the kingdom. So that means that there are people in the world, they have sight, but they don't see. They have ears, they have hearing, but they don't listen. Or they have listening and they don't hear. And so uh, Leanne and I wanted to, to kind of do a tag team this morning. Yeah. Because you will be aware that there has uh, been some lessons yeah. that we can learn from, from some of the, the, the great moves of God, great churches, great conferences, great, this, this inc these incredible world-shaping kingdom ministries that right now are really kind of going through an a upheaval sifting. and a, a sifting. And yes. we, we would be foolish just to throw stones. In fact, Leanne and I have chosen we're not going to throw stones. We're going to instead build altars. We're going to instead love people, yes. love show, them, show pray the for them, of God. pray yes. for them. But at the same time, we feel like there's there's instruction to to be learned. A hundred percent. And so, uh, I think we would be foolish not to learn from the mistakes of others. In fact, somebody else's mistake is our greatest lesson if we let it become that. And um, I, I love a scripture. I'll, I'll read it now. In Proverbs 24, starting at verse 30, it says, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. So right here, Proverbs is telling us, Solomon is writing, there is a lesson to be learned from someone who has allowed their boundaries, and in this case, I would say the field of, of their heart or their culture to become overrun with weeds. They haven't pulled the weeds. So how beautiful that we get to learn with hindsight in foresight. Right. Like how awesome yeah. that 
we can be grateful for the lesson we can learn from the mistakes, not just the victories, but the mistakes of those who have gone before us and go, okay, what a beautiful moment for us, an awakened church, to have a moment of self-reflection. What weeds do we need to pull in our culture? And I would say even more importantly, our lives, because we all make up the culture, that if we don't pull them we could become a statistic. We, we don't want our church to be one generational. We don't want it to be, well, in, in our time, Jürgen and Leanne, and then they died and went to be with their fathers. And then the people of Awakened did evil in the sight of the Lord and worshiped the Baals. Like, no, we don't want that. We do not want that. So, so how can we learn? And I had, I, I met with the campus pastors last week just to, to talk about what, what little things, what weeds in our garden today could become the very thing that take us down in the future if we don't uproot them? And it's important that we have those moments of self-reflection. What does the Bible say here in this proverb? It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little holding of, folding of the hands to rest. In other words, it doesn't have to be a big sleep. Uh, you know, going out into hibernation coma, a little thing can cause big consequences if we don't deal with it. So, so what is God now highlighting to us as a church and as individuals that we need to uproot from our lives so we don't become another headline? So we don't become another, oh, this was them in their heyday and then great was their fall. And it just happens too much. So it tells me that we are not learning as, as humans, as Christians, from the mistakes of the people before, and history keeps repeating itself. Well, let's be smarter than the average bear, and let's do something about that, right? So, that, so that's really the synopsis of where, where this message is coming from. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So tag team? You're tag. in. All right. I'm in. I'm in. All right, well, as, as, I, as I kind of looked and observed and mm. had that privilege of, of kind of being a, an onlooker, um, I would say that the hyper-grace gospel was, was probably the, the, the error or the beginning of the demise. So we, we would have seen over the last 10, maybe, you know, 20 years is the grace gospel. And the grace gospel is that... Uh, you know, you've been saved by grace. You, you do, you know, you don't have to do anything to be saved. And Jesus loves you just as you are. And you can be, mac, uh, you know, messed up, jacked up, you know, fed up, you know, all the ups. Yeah. And, uh, but Jesus just loves you. He died for you. And, and while all of that is true, he loves you just the way you are. But once you're saved, if you're still living like you were the week before, a month later, a year later, years later, something is broken yeah. because where's the transformation? Where's the renewal? Where's the regeneration? Um, you know, so, so in those circles, I began to hear things that troubled me. One of those was that uh, you don't need to repent. Repentance is, you know, Christ is all you need. Christ, Christ is the fulfillment. You don't need to repent. Can I just say to you that we, we recognize here that repentance is a gift. Repentance is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, of error, of unrighteousness, of straying, of drifting outside of God's, God's best for us. And then repentance is the getting back on track. In fact, I would even say this. 
that the level of freedom and the level of deliverance in your life is directly correlated to the level of repentance. Wow. In other words, you cannot be delivered from something you are unrepentant of. Try wow. and cast try and cast a spirit of bitterness or unforgiveness out of somebody that refuses to forgive. That spirit digs down, it doubles down, it holds on, and it will tell you I have absolute jurisdiction or authority to remain tormenting this person because they will not forgive. You can only be delivered by something to the level that you're repentant. Um, in, in Romans, let me, let me read this scripture, Romans 7, 7 to 12. It's a very, very powerful passage of scripture. And uh, it says this, it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not, not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was once alive, uh, sorry, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, 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 there, whenever you see a therefore, you've got to say, what's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> therefore, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, just and good. So let, let me explain because we're seeing uh, churches in different voices. Some, some even who are our heroes for a little while. Mega church pastors saying, hey, we no longer preach the Old Testament. You know, we don't preach the law. You know, the, you, you don't even just preach the God, just preach the New Testament. Let's just preach every Sunday people saved. So when you read this, it looks like it looks like the law of God is evil because it says that the law produced death. The law brings death. The law brings death. But Paul writes, he says, no, no, the law, the commandment is actually holy. Well, and if it's holy, why does it bring death? It's not because the law is evil, it's because we are. The, the, the law is holy and it carries God's judgment. And because we are sinful, when the law was applied to sinful men, it had to bring judgment, which brought death. However, and this is where, this is where the good news is. This is the good news. However, through the cross... Through Jesus on the cross, the cross was like a, a sieve. The cross, the cross extracted the death out of the law so that when I read the Bible, when I read the Old Testament, when I read the commandments of God, they're no longer commandments of death because death was extracted through Christ on the cross so that now every single law that you read in the Bible becomes a life 
giving principle when i read the the old testament i am telling you that when when you apply those principles when you apply them to your life they will produce life they will produce blessing they will produce strength into your life so so the law outside of christ absolutely it will condemn you because nobody can keep the law but once you're in christ the death is because jesus died on the cross so he's removed the death component the judgment component of the law so that all that is left in the law of God is life it is a life-giving principle that's why we love the word of God that's why we love David would meditate on the he says your your laws your commandments your statutes they are life there's something beautiful about the Lord does that make sense amen amen I love it all right are you am I tag am I going tag. all right good okay so so Here's what we could distill it all down to. We're, we're in a battle and we would be foolish to not acknowledge that there is an enemy of a very powerful, manipulative kingdom that is warfaring against the church and then uniquely warfaring against you. Your heart is a battlefield. Your heart is a battleground. So we're going to make this about the church but then about us individually. And um, I, I want, so I want to talk about, about that, guarding your heart. So Proverbs tells us in chapter number four, above all else, guard your heart because if you don't, that's where all the issues are going to come out of. Whatever you allow in is going to become an issue. And so what we're really seeing played out in the world is, is the manifestation of weeds or issues that were allowed to remain uncontested in the heart of men. That, that's got to be your responsibility. We can lead a horse to water, but you've got to drink from it. Okay, and at the end of the day, we all have to have the kind of relationship with God where we allow him into those places of our heart. I was thinking about the birthing process, and I did speak at Bressy on the weekend about Gideon's progress from having an encounter with God to then God having to challenge and cut away some of the idolatry in his life. Many of us want to stay in the encounter stage. And so we get saved and we're loving life and I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to bask in worship and let the Lord wash me. But what happens with a natural birth? First is the washing and then in the olden days on the eighth day would come the cutting. Can you handle the cutting? Many people don't want the cutting because the cutting goes somewhere private and sensitive. And, and you'll be able to tell by the issues that spring out of your life have I just wanted the Lord to wash me? Oh, God, wash me. I want to ask you, what do you need so much freaking washing for all the time? The, the Bible says, the Bible says, Ouch. and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm talking to leaders here. We're, and we just read in our Bible reading about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And Peter immediately, because, I mean, he wore his heart on his sleeve. And he wanted, he wanted to stand everybody else up. So they're all letting, they're all like, oh, Jesus wants to wash our feet, okay. He's like, oh, how can I one-up everybody? No, not I, Lord. You will never wash my feet like these idiots who had no discernment. You know, he, and then Jesus has to rebuke Peter and say to him, no, you got to let me wash your feet. Unless you let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then he's like, okay, well, all right, that failed. How about this? Then wash my whole body, wash my head, and wash everything. 
And then Jesus is like, no, you've already been cleansed. It's just your feet that need washing. So, so the, the principle that, or the revelation I got from that reading was, if you constantly need a whole body wash, what, what are you rolling in that you should only ever be treading through? Like, like you're going to need a feet wash because you're working through a dirty world. But if you're constantly in need of a full body spray, oh, give me the, give me the deluxe car wash, Lord. My, my question is, what are you rolling in? Now, your feet are going to get dirty because we're treading through a broken, dysfunctional, messed up world. You're going to see things. Oh, dear God, I wish I never saw that. You're going to hear things. Oh, dear God, I wish I never heard that. But if you're willingly getting up all in there, and you're making, you're making mud angels in that bad boy. Like, can you, get, can you get past the washing stage to the cutting stage? Can you get to the stage where he can come in and go, all right, now it's time to deal with some business with, with that. You know, you may have picked it up unfairly. You may have picked up a propensity to lust and, and pornography and what have you, or, or bitterness or fearfulness or, or spite. Those things may be in your past. But when you're a true disciple of Jesus, they, you don't take them into your future. You allow him to cut them away. And that's, that's been my journey. The cutting has, has been my journey, and I think it's a consistent one. Yeah. And we think, we think that the, the cutting is a, a one-time thing. Oh, yeah, I had that deliverance moment. I sat with Pastor Pammy. All good in the hood. Let me tell you this. The cutting is a pretty regular occurrence in the life of every Christian. And what I found is it's a usually like the skin of an onion. So, so for me and a yeah. lot of the issues, mm-hmm. and you also, that we deal with, God is so beautiful in that he releases it to you in layers. Yes. Ne- never be so foolish to think, I'm free from that now. You're, you have partial freedom, but, but to a degree, and you can, you can add any of my heresy if no, I'm no, saying so anything good. wrong. But, but what right? I mean is, yeah. like, sure, Well, the Bible sure says the Lord didn't, cast, didn't drive them all out at once, right. but little by little. Little I think that's, that's it's our thing. We can it's little by little. It. And God, yeah. God, is, God is so gracious we'd in that We'd be overrun. Way. If he completely delivered us, we'd be overrun. All those things would come back seven times stronger. But what about so the arrogance of people who think, I, but I'm, I, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. Like, and, and they never it's come to the arrogant. Lord again and ask him what needs to be cut. Yeah. What, what needs to be cut? What, 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 was, what was the beautiful tweetable quote that I saw? God's kindness is with a scalpel or something. Oh, yeah. what, was the, what was that quote? Yeah. So in the, in the Gideon message that I just preached, the first, the first scene was God's kindness. Yeah. So God comes to Gideon and Gideon immediately starts piping off about all his problems and complaining about yeah. how God abandoned him. And God was silent. Yeah. Whereas he could have said a whole lot of things. Yeah. Because the reason that their lives were in a mess was not because God had forsaken them, but because they'd forsaken God. Yeah. But God in his graciousness says nothing go in this might of yours, I will be with you. But then scene two, he says, okay, now it's time to pull down the idols in your father's house. So we see God's kindness manifest in his graciousness and he doesn't throw your mistakes in your face. But then scene two is we see God's kindness with a scalpel. 
Wow, what a God's, word. God's kindness, God's kindness is shown in cutting away the things that are hurting us. What's his ultimate goal? Mankind wants to blame, God wants to fix. Wow. So, so here Gideon is wanting to blame God. God's like, look, we're not going to play the blame game. That's a very human thing. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to progress you to a place where I can. I want you to come face to face with the thing that has been rubbing from you. Wow. And we're going to tear it down. We're wow. going to cut it out. And that's, I think that's the difference between what we're seeing. It's always the difference because the heart is the battlefield. What we're seeing played out in the newspapers of the world with the, with the real shaking of a very, very um, prominent global church yeah. is that, you know, there are a lot of things that needed to be cut out and it comes down to the individuals of that church body that were not, they weren't. They were tolerated. They were pandered. They were overlooked. They were, you know, not dealt with in a way that they should have been dealt with. So the enemy was able to come in and really wreak some some significant destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Wow. Come on. How good was that? How good was that? I love that. God's kindness with a scalpel. That is so awesome. Uh, another observation that I made, and this is kind of in the context of, um, you know, the Bible talks about bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ, which is so, so powerful. So God deals with our inner world, even to the realm of thoughts. I would have thought that, well, you know, I can, you know, my thoughts, they're just thoughts. They don't. But how many people know that thoughts determine your actions? Actions determine your habits. Habits form lifestyle and lifestyle determines character and character determines destiny. So it all goes back to thoughts, thoughts, actions, thoughts shape your actions, your actions shape your habits, your habits shape your lifestyle and lifestyle becomes character and character determines destiny. So one of the other, the other observations that I, that I would make uh, is what I would call idolatry. So in James 4.4, 4, James kind of brings a stinging rebuke. And this is, so this is New Testament. James 4.4, 4, he says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So let, let me just say this, that we are here to reach the world, but we are not of the world. For God so loved the world, but he didn't become like the world. If you, if you have the same hashtags as the world, that's an issue. When everyone was going nuts posting the black square, that gave, me, that gave me immediate pause. I'm like, hang on, if the world is doing this and they are corrupt, they are wicked, they are rebellious before the Lord. I'm just going to double check before I wreck about posting. You know, right now everyone's got, the, got the, the Ukraine flag and God bless. And we need to pray for the Ukraine and we need to pray for Russia. We need to pray for that whole Eastern Bloc. We need to pray against war and, and all of that. But, but, but when I see the world going very quickly in that direction, it gives me enough pause because I understand in the scripture that the spirit of this world is not the spirit of God. It is not the spirit of God. And, and so, so 
what we've seen is the church has, especially this particular movement, went right down the road of social justice, social justice. When I look at the Salvation Army, they were once the Salvation Army. Uh, William and Catherine Booth, the Salvation Army. They, they turned pub songs into worship songs. They transformed the, the nations that they went into. That they, they saw people saved, healed, delivered, miracles, breakthrough. That They cleaned up the streets, the homelessness, the prostitution, the alcoholism, the, the, the abuse in the homes. They were a transformational arm. But then, second generation, they started getting into social justice. And today... The Salvation Army, you see them every Christmas sitting there ringing a bell with a pot for people to throw change into. The power gospel is gone and they are now just a social justice arm to come and, hey, give the homeless from our corrupt policies. You take care of the homeless so we don't feel so bad. We're not going to repent of our sin. We're not going to repent of our wickedness. But you you go and mop up the mess. The church was never meant to be the mop up the me- the church is meant to be the change agent in the world. So so social justice we 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 do justice. We don't need to do social justice. Social justice is the thing of of this world. So and it lim- comes with self-righteousness. It does come with it, self-righteousness. It always, social it produces, justice never yeah. comes alone. It comes with judgment and it comes with self-righteousness. Yeah. And those are two fruits you're not going to find in Galatians no. 5 1. Yeah. And so that's you, you judge yeah. every tree by its fruit. Yeah. So, so let me just say this do not seek the approval of the world. Yeah. If, if, I looked, if I looked again, as, as you know, eyes that see, is it here? I, I noticed that, that, that these movements had begun to kind of almost make their affirmation and their validation the fact that they've got. A-list celebrities go to this church. That they, 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 you know, that they, and so they, they reached out and they began to court the the media. We, we, we resist and reject media on pretty much every level, because Jesus says those who live by the sword will die by the sword. If if a man will elevate you. A man will also bring you down. I don't need a man to elevate me. I don't need the, the news to come. And oh my gosh, we're the best kept secret in San Diego. If only NBC News would come down here. If only Fox 5 would come down here and let people know what's happening in here. Because if you allow a man to elevate you, that same spirit, that same man can destroy you. I don't need men. I just need God. Jesus, that's why he constantly said, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Don't. But the more they did, the more... The crowds follow Jesus because of the power, because of the miracles, because of the transformation. We don't need. And let me just say this. The third temptation of Jesus was the devil took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms and their glory and their splendor. And he says, all these are mine. I can give them to whoever I want. If you will just bow down, these will be yours. In other words... Satan uses the things of this world as leverage. He, he, he uses it as, as bribery, as manipulative tools to get you to, to bow to the spirit of this world. Satan is the spirit of this world. And Jesus says, away with you, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. It is written, worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You can keep 
for now, but I'm, I'm going to wrestle it from you. I am bowing down and, and giving you homage. I'm going to wrestle the kingdoms of this world. I'm going to raise up a church that's going to bust your bottom everywhere right around the earth and we're going to take city after city territory after territory region after region we're going to bust your chops we don't i don't need to bow somebody say amen so so just be very very careful we you know fame is a thing of this world and, and i've watched i watched these guys to their demise court fame and you know thinking oh you know if hollywood accepts us uh, can I just tell you, Hollywood is a den of iniquity. Yeah. Right. Right. We, we, we want to protect our, our Christian waples. We want to protect yeah. our amazing a- actors and singers from, from the perversion and the, and the exploitation. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. And you no, please go. That. No, I'm, ta- I'm oh, tasting. Just one word. i got one more, but I know you got one more. Uh, I, you know what? I don't think I have one more. I can Well, add then you stuff. jump in with me on this All one. Right, so. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's another thought that I, that I saw, that I observed, is the empowering of gift above character. Yeah, totally. The empowering of gift above character. There was, you know, I, I think for the last several years, some of the people that had these powerful gifts that were on Oprah Winfrey, that, you My know. My gosh, were... she's the kiss of death. Go on, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Today's Oprah, tomorrow's scandal. Well, let, let, let me say this then on, on that. The Here's, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I pray that Oprah gets saved just because she talks about God. The Hindus talk about God. The Muslims talk about God. It's not, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. So it's not like, oh, well, they're talking about God. They must be good. No, no, there are other gods. There are false gods. Do not let them lead you astray and worship other gods. It's amazing. Rick Warren, almost every, every single influential Christian pastor that sat with Oprah, that Rod went on Bell. Oprah's show, Rod Bell, all of these guys, when they do that, they are different afterwards. Rather than the spirit of Christ on them coming onto Oprah, the spirit of Oprah came on them. Which should show, It's a yeah. spirit of this world. And all of a sudden, they're, 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 they become humanistic. They become, you know global reset they become it's it's power intoxicated with that spell and it should show us how the strongest of men actually with with it seemingly the greatest of convictions can fall prey to how tempting this spirit is the fact that the devil thought Jesus would fall for it should be our sign that it is it is always something that we need to be aware of And I think um, always remaining humble in our in our hearts and and having an appreciation for the fact that God is using us in the best ways to to build the the kingdom and not letting pride enter your heart. Pride cometh before a fall, and there's a reason the Bible says that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And I wonder if it is who's resisting who. I think the prideful person actually doesn't think they have a need for God. And so I want us to be careful even as our church grows and we get notoriety, things like that, as our seemingly our stock rises in some ways, that we never let pride enter our hearts. Oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm at Awakened Church. Yeah, I'm at Awakened Church. Like, 
forget about it. Like remove every bit of pride from your heart. Do not give the enemy a foothold in this area. Always serve the the Lord with humility. What's one way we do this? Always be, I, I think always be grateful. Always be grateful for the fact that God appointed you, that he commissioned you, that he's assigned you. How do we, and how does, is that outworked? In, in many ways, it's outworked by how we treat people. I can tell someone's level of pride in their heart by how they treat people. Are you unkind? Many of us here, uh, we, we oversee teams and we have volunteers who, who help us outwork the vision or the assignment that we've been given. What do you treat those people like? If you're mean and dismissive and a taskmaster and never say please and thank you, that's, that's a great wickedness. And there's a sign that there's an area of your heart that has been given over to pride. A humble heart is a grateful heart. I think a lot of us, you know, may on the outside, especially in our church, fly the Trump train flag, but are we liberals in our heart? Are are we a bunch of ungrateful? (laughs) Ungrateful? What's, What's the sign of a leftist? They're not happy because there's no gratitude. You cannot be grateful and unhappy. You cannot. It's impossible to be a grateful person and an unhappy person. If you have gratitude, you have joy. So if you're always miserable, chances are you're an ungrateful so-and-so and you need to allow the Lord to extract that weed from your heart. Yeah. And that's going to sustain us. If we don't get too big for our boots and too big for our britches, as they say in, in Texas, like we, we've got to remain humble. Oh, my gosh, God, we, we get to be part of this assignment in San Diego. I'm going to love you and Salt Lake City. I'm going to I'm going to serve the people that you've you've given me to serve. I'm going to I'm going to fight every part of me that wants to become a diva. Yeah. Male or female. Yeah. I, I will not. Beautiful. A I diva. love that. What what a great word. Come on, how good was that? Wow. So let me let me let me land the, the plane then. So uh, gift God gives gifts and your gift will always elevate. But how many people know that God isn't impressed with gift because it's a gift? Like he is the giver of the gift. So we're like, God, you must be so impressed. He's like, no, no, no. Actually, that's what it's meant to do. Yeah, but look what I'm doing with it. Yeah, that's what it's meant to. Yeah, but look where it's put me. I know that because that's where that gift will take you. The question isn't what platforms will your gift take you to? The question of God, the observation of God is, will you dig down and ha- develop the character to, that keeps you on the platforms that your gift will take you? Gifts are imparted, but character is developed. Gifts are imparted, but character is developed. The work of character never goes away. If you you think that you no longer need to work on character, the devil has deceived you. You're believing a lie. Till Jesus splits the sky, we are continually working on character. And if you say, well, what does that mean? I would say it's the the, uh, identification and then the eradication of dysfunctions. Every single one of us have dysfunctions. The, 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 one of the saddest stories is King Saul in the Bible is given an assignment by God to kill the, the uh, Amalekites and he refuses to do it. And 
he partially did. He partially killed them, but he saved King Agag and he, he saved a few of the, you know, the sheep and the oxen and he saved some of the people and he kept the women and children and he, and he, and he didn't, didn't do everything. The saddest thing is the very things that he spared, the very things that, that God had asked him to kill, that God had asked him to, to deal with, because he compromised, those things grew up. And if you read the tragic end of Saul and his sons, the very things that, that 20 years earlier that he refused to kill ended up killing Saul, Jonathan, Ishbosheth. All of, his, all of his sons were wiped out because of something he failed to put to death there. That's why I love that we're an altar-friendly church. Can I just tell you that every, every Sunday in church, for you to have life, you've got to put something to death. There are things on the inside of you that will choke you, that will kill you, that will destroy you. Here's the other sad thing. If you know the book of Esther, there's a, there's a, there's a decree written to bring genocide, to wipe out every last Jew from the face of the earth by a man whose name was Haman. And what's interesting is Haman is introduced as Haman the Agagite. In other words, King Agag, in the the, the little while that um, Saul had spared him, Jewish folklore goes that he went into one of his concubines and got her pregnant. And even though Samuel came and executed Agag, she was pregnant, bearing his seed. And that one became, grew up and gave birth to a Haman who had this, didn't know why, but in his DNA had this rage against the Jews. And Esther and Mordecai were this close to being wiped out because of something that Saul refused to do that God told him to do. So in this house, we, we understand you need deliverance. You need to deal with dysfunctions. In this house, we have transparency. We have altar calls. And just because you're a leader, just because, well, I'm a, I've, got a pastor, I've got a title as a pastor now, doesn't mean that you're exempt. In fact, if anything, the pressure is even greater on us as pastors and leaders. The Bible says, don't anyone just put your hand up and say, I want to be a teacher. There's double the, 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 the judgment on you for being a teacher. Somebody say amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.